Not working for some reason? Uh, can you sync it, please? Can you sync it? That's it. Thank you. Okay. So our theme this year is uh, is set free in 23. What it means to for us to have freedom in Christ and then what it means to share that freedom in Christ with others so they might understand it and accept it as their own as well. That's the plan. And so for this first part of the year, we've been looking at the Great Commission for every Christian. The fact that Jesus commissioned us to go out, preach the gospel, and see people come to faith in Christ. That's the plan. Why is there a plan A? Because there's no plan B. We are God's plan A. And so every Christian has a role and responsibility to do that. And so over the previous weeks, we've looked at these elements of plan A for one of a term, uh, growing, knowing, sowing, rowing, and showing up. And this morning, uh, we're going to look at showing up again, but, but from a different perspective, because I want you to be a part of the message today. If you've come prepared to share, then uh, this will be an opportunity for you to show up and tell us how, how God has shown up in your experience in life. Um, just checking ahead. So I've called it, as a, as a final message, I've called it Plan A Wrap-Up. So we've, we've had growing, knowing, sowing, rowing, showing up, and this is a wrap-up today of what Plan A has been about. And it doesn't stop today. The, the principles that we've looked at are ongoing principles for our everyday life into the future until Jesus comes back again. The passage that I want to focus on today is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. So I'm just going to read that through, and it talks about how, how Jesus has shown up so that we might show up for God. And this is what the writer to the Hebrews says. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he's referring back to chapter 11, which I'll talk about in a moment, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked for out for us. Verse 2, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. I wonder what God's saying to you today from those verses. I trust that he'll speak to you very clearly through them and through what's being shared, uh, shared as well. I was reading this week uh, just a bit of historical stuff, I think it might have been on YouTube actually, about... Mount Everest, and everybody knows where Mount Everest is, don't we? Yep, yep, highest mountain in the world. And how there's been over 4,000 people uh, in recent times, over the last century perhaps, who've climbed Mount Everest successfully. I wasn't one of them, just letting you know. It's all research as far as it goes for me. But they generally go up one of two ways. Uh, two ways, one way was, was uh, pioneered by Sir Edmund Hillary in 1953, another one by George Mallory in 1924. And it wasn't just these two men, because they had a whole support team behind them. Uh, both on, the, on those occasions, they had people behind them that had helped to transport all the goods that they needed, were a part of the climbing uh, party, helped organise all the uh, accommodation uh, before going up the mountain and all that sort of stuff. But what they have done, and what they did in those years, 1924 and 53, they showed that it could be done, that you could scale Mount Everest and get to the peak. And so that inspired other people to do the same. They were the 
pioneers, if you like. They were the leaders that paved the way. I wonder if there's been any leaders in your life that have paid, paved the way so that you are where you are today because of them. There's been significant people in my life. Uh, dare I say my parents were significant people. My parents were, were great teachers, as in, not as in educationalists. They were great teachers in the things that they did. My mum was a pastry cook. My dad was a labourer. And they instilled some things into me that have stayed with me over the years. Uh, I know that they, they went from, my mum in particular, went from toilet training at one year in my life to trigonometry in another year in my life. Not too close together, by the way. And, um, but they, they encouraged me and my, my siblings to head towards a goal as adults. They wanted us to be confident, competent adults to manage our own lives as we got older. They nurtured us, they helped us, and they inspired us to be the people that they knew that we could be or they hoped that we would be. But, you know, they were sort of like pioneers in our lives too. And the thing that we had to do to be a part of that journey that they had us on, we actually had to show up. So we had to be born first of all, and they had a part to play in that. And, um, and then we had to go to school. Willingly. That wasn't so, sh- I wasn't so sure about that, but we did go to school and we learned some things, but they taught, taught us lots of things at home. They taught us about what it meant to make our own minds up, to make decisions, to be confident in the decisions that we made, and what to do when we made the wrong decisions as well. They taught us all those things. So they were like pioneers. The principles that we've been looking at in plan A, those five things, uh, God's way, if you like, of pioneering for us, leading us into a life of being his witnesses, wherever that should be and whatever form that should be. So these are the things that we've looked at over the, over the last few weeks. Growing as disciples of Jesus, knowing others and being intentionally relational with people, those who are outside of Christ, that, that we should get to know them and, and be, be relational with them. Sowing seeds in our conversation Rowing together, we're not in this alone. Uh, we, as a church, we support one another in this lifestyle that we choose to be uh, witnesses for Jesus. And then last week we looked at showing up and dipping on Jesus. Lincoln, come on up and join with me. Lincoln, uh, when, I, when I put this out last week, he said, I've got something to share. Uh, can I share it next Sunday? By all means. So Lincoln, here's a microphone for you. You've, you've got the floor. So, a couple weeks ago, I was reading through um, First Peter, First uh, Peter chapter four, verse seven to eleven. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind, so that you may pray. Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another. 
Thank you. So Lincoln and Emily showed up because God told them to. We have that responsibility when God touches us on the shoulder or convicts us in our spirit to turn up, not knowing what the situation would be maybe and being available to use by him. There may be somebody else that wants to share, not just now, but in a moment or two, then you'll have an opportunity to do that. In this passage that we're looking at this morning in Hebrews, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, it talks about Jesus being the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, another word for author is pioneer. An author writes something or produces something. Jesus paved the way. He paved the way for us as, fo- as his followers. And the, the thing that I get out of this is that 
No matter what situation we find ourselves in, Jesus has gone there before us. So um, whether it be a tough life decision, whether it be a somebody else in need. Now, Jesus was a mechanic, so I don't think he could have fixed that. But but he's given us the heart to be able to do those things or that, that giftedness to do those things so we could be his hands and feet. I think uh, Belinda said that earlier. And so we've got to listen to God and be prepared to be obedient to God if Jesus is paving the way for us and showing the way. But he's also the perfecter of faith, that passage talks about. He's the one that brings our faith to fulfilment. And he's the one that encourages us to walk in faith. How does that happen? I'm just going to touch on a few things this morning. And in a moment, I'll see if there's anybody else that wants to share, okay? So uh, don't get too anxious about that. What does Jesus' pioneering look like? It, say, it says in those verses that there's this race marked out for us. Well, well, Jesus has done it first. It's been his path of faith. He responded obediently to the Father. He, he said, yes, I will do what you want me to do. Verse 2 said there, let's fix our eyes on Jesus, the author, pioneer, and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The cross wasn't pleasant. The joy set before him was the results of the cross, what would happen in people's lives when they place their faith in Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Now, that doesn't describe exactly what it would be like, this race that we're on, but it does give us an indication of one thing. It says, in verse 1 there, it said, um, let me just find it, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, what's he talking about? What's the writer talking about? In chapter 11 of Hebrews, it lists, I think there's 16 or more people described in that chapter as men and women of faith who have trusted God to lead them and guide them. And they are the ones that are our witnesses, according to this writer, who is watching us as we walk a life of faith to see how we're going to go. So they're our witnesses. And we look back and we see see those people in, this, in Abraham and Moses and Sarah and Rahab and David, lots of others, how they sought out to live their faith in God. They made mistakes, like we do. But God used them in spite of their mistakes. They became heroes of the faith. Their faith in God was the thing that kept them on the race that they were on for eternal life. They were keeping their eyes fixed on God. That's what we have to do. If we want to see, uh, if we want to show up to where God wants us to go and do and say what He wants us to say, we have to keep our eyes fixed on Him. It's not always going to be easy, but it is a mission that God has had for them and also has for us. The second thing that Jesus uh, pioneered for us was he endured the cross. So thankfully, we don't have to go to the cross. He did it for us. That he was faithful and obedient, he went to the cross. It was that ancient way of Jesus' times for, uh, uh, I guess, the maximum human suffering that they could give to somebody, whether they were being punished for uh, disobeying the laws of the land or, or being punished for a crime, whether they were being put to shame for something that they'd done, Jesus took all that on himself. He was the author, the pioneer of that. Not that we have to go through it. He endured it for us, the Bible says. He wasn't overwhelmed by the awfulness of the cross. He endured it for us. 
He ultimately overcame it by the power of God raised again to life. We know that to be true. Jesus made it clear, though, that by following him, we will have to endure some suffering of some sort. Some of us have done that already, whether we've been ostracised by our families because we've said we believe in Jesus, whether we have been uh, ridiculed at work because of the moral stand that we take on certain issues. Uh, Some of us have suffered, not to the point of the suffering that Jesus faced on the cross, but we've been prepared to suffer for Jesus. And the third thing that Jesus showed us was that he finished well. And he's reigning at the throne of God. He's victorious, in other words. As the pioneer author, he is victorious. His posture of sitting at the throne of God is a posture that says, it is finished. Because someone who's working, someone who's actively working, their posture would be standing up, running, fighting, whatever. But his was at rest beside the throne of God. Everything that the cross stood for was finished. Whether it be crimes committed, punishment made, suffering or shame, Jesus has conquered them all. He's conquered them all for us. They no longer have ultimate power over anybody who chooses to follow Jesus. Jesus is at rest. It means his work is finished. I wonder, has anybody... Does anybody have a story to share about how God has enabled you maybe to sow, uh, Judy, come on out, be quick, sow seeds of conversation uh, with somebody? Anybody else want to share anything? A couple of people will catch up with you straight after Judy. Judy, use this one, it's a bit clearer. We'll try and keep them brief so that those that want to share can share. She's been through a lot. Uh, she's my age. 
So we've connected and I said, God, this why? Why now? Um, and I can see it. I can see it in her texts and things and I'm starting to drop a couple of little, you know, hints of, oh, what church do you go to and, and all that. And I've had a good response thinking, well, you know, she might think, oh, you know, she's religious or I don't know that I want to know her now, but it's not that way. So I'm gently trying to encourage her because she's on her own now. Mm. Um, yeah, so watch out anywhere in the world. I mean, the world to God is, is in our path, no matter what. So who knows who it can be. Thanks, Judy. So our conversations. Uh, Naomi, did you want to, do you want me to come to you? No? And Dave, are you going to share? Yeah, there is. Yeah. Jesus has gone before us. He's asking us to show up. Thanks. I didn't know about that. I was here last That's week. right. A little, very off the cuff. But um, in response to one of John's sermons about being in relationship with people and having an opportunity to talk to about Jesus to them, I would sincerely pray and say, God, put some people before Yes. I don't know very many people other than you guys. A um, few tradies have been to our house, but really not many other people in town because we've only just been here for three years. And um, But I, I said, God, put those people, I think it might be my neighbours. Well, I go to Yanga Barra every Monday to volunteer. Well, two guys, both on different occasions, but both almost identical, both over 60, both doing a shift with them, both started talking to me about God wow. and how they don't believe in God, why they don't believe in God, and both had come at a very, very strong Christian background. And so I just kept talking. Jesus, please help me with this. Yes. Just, you know, let, let me build a relationship with these blokes. And the first one, I thought, oh, that's great, that's just one. And then when the second one happened, <laughs> and, and my co-worker was not available the first shift, and I did an extra shift on the second occasion. So they went on and on about, you know, can't, the Bible can't be true with this, this, and this, and this. And I just let them talk. And then at the appropriate time for me, I just shared, well, I'm a Christian. Yes. This is my faith. This is the right reason why I was created. I was created to worship Jesus. This is my purpose for being on earth. This is something that I yes. have a real relationship with. And I didn't get, like you, I didn't get an eye. I didn't get a bad response. I got lots of smiles and... More. So I just encourage you to do the same thing. Just pray earnestly that God will put these people before you. Be calm, real, real. Thank you. <coughs> Dave, while David's coming, uh, I, re- I remember a friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, he said, uh, if ever you want to start a, go- a conversation about God, just um, ask, when, when, when somebody says, what did you do on the weekend? Just say, I went to church. And see where that goes. Thanks, David. Brief. You're right, you're right. So Colossians 1, verse 27, to then God willed to make known one of the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. That's the main point. The hope of glory. I just quickly went down south, Brisbane, for three weeks driving someone else's machine. It's the first time in a long time for me to work with someone else on a building site, a construction site, and the men there are, yeah. Um, I was getting intimidated on building side of the construction site. It was very well mm. even as a non-Christian, and not so much now as a Christian, because I have a hope of Jesus. Yes. So I had various conversations with a few of the guys down there. There's 20 or 30 
Thanks, Dave. Thank you. Jesus is involved not only as the pioneer and the author of our of our faith, but he, he's one that perfects us. He wants to grow us. He wants to mature us so we might live out the faith as example by those people in the previous chapter uh, that uh, the author was writing about. So he wants to be the perfecter of the faith in us as his followers. Uh, it's not just saying uh, John's a believer. It's not just putting icing on the cake. It's making sure that my life is changed. Our lives are changed because we put our faith in Jesus. How does that happen? It happens because we have to enter the race. We have to show up. We have to say, yes, I'm in this race for life, for eternity. And in doing that, he, he shapes us and he enables us to get on board in the race and, and to go on that journey with him. He, he encourages our willingness. He encourages our obedience so that we can be made perfect, as it were, or we can be perfected or, or we can be matured in our faith. Some people use the example that practice makes perfect. That, that in our, our true, true perfection comes when we keep on practicing what we know to be true. I want to challenge that. I want to say that, that our perfection should mean that any faith decision, any faith action should be natural and automatic. It should be, it should be the Christian's instinct rather than have to make a choice. We should know the right thing to do. We should know the right thing to believe. Because in reality, the Bible tells us the old things have passed away. We have become a new person in Christ. Therefore, this newness should be that we know what God wants us to do. Through studying his word, through being in communion with him in prayer, we know what God wants us to do. I don't think it's as big as scaling Everest, but I think it's important to allow God to be the parent that wants to teach us how to do life to achieve the goal that he's got for us. And do you know something? It all depends on him. It doesn't depend on our willingness. It doesn't depend on our abilities or our giftedness. It depends on Christ in us that we will see 
the race finished. He will shape us as his followers. Secondly, he prepares us through the cross. And what I mean by that is that Jesus took on that race himself to the cross. He went through that place of shame and suffering. And even though we may never have to do that, hopefully we never have to do that, we trust, we believe in what Jesus did. And that that suffering that Jesus went through and any suffering we might go through ultimately ends in joy. We know, the Bible tells us that that, uh, the, the, the future God's got planned for us, there won't be any sin, suffering, sickness, tears or pain. We'll be looking forward to that. Jesus endured so that we might endure. He's preparing us for that. I wonder if God's preparing you in any way. And then the third thing, we are victorious with Christ. I keep on saying to people, some people come to me and tell me all their problems and I've got to admit to you that I'm not a very good counsellor because the first thing I say is, what does God's word say? What does the Bible say about your situation? And then the second thing I usually say to them is, do you know that as a follower of Jesus, we're actually on the winning side? You know, whatever yuckiness happens between now and eternity, we're on the winning side. So we have a hope that we can look forward to no matter what's happening for us now. So I'm not a very good counsellor. I try and point people to those things. God's grace gives us glimpses along the way of what it means to live in that victory. And ultimately, that victory will be in him. What does that mean for us? What does it mean for us? As we wrap up plan A today, what does it mean for us? It means that it all depends on Jesus. That we're invited into the race that's marked out for us. We may have to go through that suffering, but we know ultimately the victory is ours. And this is this is what our life's about. Life is not meant to be a bed of roses. There's no guarantees in this life that we won't have any suffering or disappointments. But it all depends on Jesus and our trust in him. He's the one that's been the author or the pioneer. He's gone through it before us so that we can have confidence in him. He's the one that's maturing us so that we might be able to overcome the difficulties of life, that we might be able to live in that victory that Jesus has won for us. And the second thing that it means for us is that we need to choose to show up. We need to choose to show up and depend on him in whatever situation he leads us into. I wonder where God is inviting you to show up. I wonder if he's inviting you to talk with somebody, to have a conversation with somebody, to get to know somebody, that you might show up in that relationship for Jesus. I might have shared this story before, but I've been working with a couple in Atherton here for the last um, 18 months or more. They're not Christians. They don't go to any church. And my interaction with them up until recently has been to put some petrol in their tank every now and then. Two weeks ago, this couple started to share with me some personal stuff. I didn't even know their name till two weeks ago. And they've started to show that they trust me. They've started to ask me. They actually asked me to pray for them. It's taken 18 months to get there. I nearly gave up on that couple. I nearly, I nearly said, one day they asked me for some fuel money and some generous people have given me some fuel money to give out to help people. And I nearly lied and said, no, I don't have any left. But you know, that's not me. I couldn't do it. 
So I said, I'll meet you. And that very day, the lady said to me, I have a serious health issue. Will you pray for me? God humbled me no end in that encounter. And not because I do it all the time. Sometimes I resist God's call to show up. But to me, he taught me a lesson about showing up when he asked me to. He invited me. I went there. I prayed for them. I've had a cup of coffee with them since. And we are doing some life stuff together. That's God, isn't it? What about you? Is he leading you to a conversation or to some people that you haven't don't normally associate with? Does he want you to show up for him? Because he's right there with you. And in fact, he's gone ahead and prepared the way for you. I don't know how you pray, but when I'm working amongst non-Christian people, and I do that often, I pray that God will be preparing their heart. That he'll be preparing the way. So that whatever I might do or say, he can take and, and arouse their curiosity in Christ and, and bring them to faith in Christ ultimately. Folks, that's the wrap-up for um, uh, Plan A. We're going to move into, uh, after Easter, a series through Galatians on the whole theme of Set Free in 23. Next week, be praying ahead because Pastor Jeff and I are doing a pulpit swap. I'll be preaching at Lakeside. He's preaching here. And then after that, I think it's... Uh, I can't remember.